Good morning. It's good to see everybody again, and I know there's some up in the balcony and those in live stream. And um, this morning, I'm going. I have the privilege of trying to work through Pastor Ralph's message that he was supposed to bring to us as a church about the missions conference. We're still going to do a Q and A with Pastor Ralph when he gets better. He has pneumonia and is still recovering. Um, and as of uh, many that got the virus, it turned into pneumonia. Those of us that were lucky uh, didn't get any of that. Uh, but there's several others, so keep praying. Um, but I had the blessing to do a Q&A with uh, Benjamin and Ella, and then I got to see them in, in their job, uh, in their work. Um, what a blessing they offered uh, after the Q&A, uh, uh, Benjamin goes, man, I love to fly. If you need to go somewhere, I'll fly you. And I said, I may take you up on that. So Friday, um, we were offered uh, Nisa's uh, grandparents' truck and trailer, but we really didn't have time or energy to go all the way down to Klamath Falls and back. And uh, so Benjamin and Ella flew us there. And a uh, three-hour trip by uh, Cessna, a little Cessna airplane, and uh, so I took the twins. Now, the twins weren't so sure about uh, flying in the little airplane. They saw the little airplane. Just, Josiah was grabbing onto the seat and to a handle the whole way uh, until he fell asleep, believe it or not. We finally, we went over 10,000 foot elevation. I think the lack of air kind of helped. And uh, <laughs> he passed out in the back. <laughs> and what was funny is he woke up so excited he was looking out the window. It's like he calmed down. It was great. And uh, he was so excited. I'll tell you what, though. We had a 12-hour drive with truck and trailer on the way home yesterday. And halfway through, the twins go, Dad, flying is so much better. <laughs> they said, we should have had Benjamin and Ella fly us back. <laughs> so they were, they were done after about four or five hours of driving. But the Lord was so neat. It was such a blessing to see all the things that Benjamin and Ella do in an airplane. You don't just get in the airplane and talk to the, to the controllers and, and take off. They were on conversation and leapfrogging from one air station to the next. And it, it was so much fun to see them working in concert. Talk about marriage, right? And now, now they're working together with all of these flight things, and it was so beautiful to see that, and uh, as a pastor, just seeing how they're going to do that when they go to Africa. And, uh, and I can tell you, uh, they are on their way to serving the Lord extremely well and, uh, and all the conflict that could happen, and yet they're working together, and uh, they, they are on a good head start for their marriage and for their missions. And, and so having done the Q&A and then seeing it firsthand, I can tell you, keep praying for them. And, uh, and it is such a praise and a blessing to see what God is doing and using them. If you get a chance, uh, the Liberta family is here, Malachi's mom, dad, grandma, uh, brothers, sister. There's another brother still coming and fiance. And uh, what a blessing it is to have them here and get to spend time with them and uh, get to add to our family. And that's truly a blessing 
we get to adopt a new family. And uh, if you know Anise and I, we love to adopt families. So it is such a blessing. Get to know them. And uh, they'll be here throughout the whole week and uh, coming up uh, in the wedding. And so it is such a blessing to have them. They flew all the way from Paraguay. And so I think they're finally starting to relax a little bit and enjoy uh, life here. And so we are excited uh, to have them around and being a part. So get to know them. Would you pray with me? We're going to read again Matthew uh, Matthew 28, verses 11 through the end of the chapter and talk about why missions. And so if you want to talk about missions, you can talk to the Liberta family as They've spent many years in missions, and uh, what a blessing uh, to be able to do that and talk about our missions here as well as a church family. Well, let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that life as a family is not always easy, but it is such a blessing because we get to love, support, encourage, build up, and be there for one another. And so what a blessing to see all of that happening and unfolding in the last three weeks Thank you for that. I pray that you would be with Pastor Ralph as we get to share some of his words and his message, his outline, and just give me, um, Lord, your spirit and work through me as I, as I try to um, share the heart of Pastor Ralph in all those years that he spent in Brazil as a missionary and all the years that he spent here as a missionary and pastor shepherding the church for many years and now retired as a pastor and still shepherding the church. What a blessing he is to our family. And so I pray that you give me the Holy Spirit to, to share his heart and to share your word and that he loves dearly and that has encouraged him through this time of sickness. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak your words of truth And Lord, we want to honor you, to love you, to follow you, to submit to you, to acknowledge your name, that we are a part of your family, that we carry your name. So Lord, as we talk about missions and how it affects our church family and what it looks like, I pray that you would encourage us deeply, that we'd be moved to be about your work, your business to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. I pray that your word of truth that we share today would impact our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 28, why missions? And I hope you understand that we realize that missions is not a missionary going around the world. That missions is the call of the church. It's what we do. It's why we exist in proclaiming the good news of what Christ has done for us. And how do we do that? Why do we do that? We've been answering questions, and last week um, it was such a blessing as uh, Rob shared the idea of submission, commandments, obeying, following Christ. That is the mission of the church, is to obey all that He has commanded and to teach others to do the same. That's what he read this morning. In order to abide in Christ, to model Christ, to be like Christ, to acknowledge his name, to be a Christian means to be obedient to him. Being obedient to him 
is also to model him, to be like him, to follow him. And that's one of the aspects that we want to do as a church as, as we talk about missions, is we, in order to do missions, we need to model Christ. So let's look at what he says again in Matthew chapter 28, verse 11 through 20. He says, while they were going after the resurrection, as he came to the disciples, it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went to the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him. And while they were sleeping, can you imagine what the soldiers are thinking? Because if they did this and they say this, they're in dire trouble because for a soldier to lose a, a body or to lose somebody under guard is the penalty of death. So you can imagine what the soldiers are thinking, what they're saying. This is, this is hard. This is tough. This is an amazing thing that they're being told to say. To tell the people that it, the disciples stole him. Verse 14, it says, And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day, still to this day. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a beautiful section of Scripture. There's sometimes taken for granted. There is so much there. It was a blessing to work through some of this in our elders' retreat that we took um, a few months ago. By way of introduction, we want to remind you that this command, this mission of the church for the church family, this is the same mission that God has given from day one. It's both a physical mission and a spiritual mission. And so as we look at why missions and, and we look at this idea of modeling Christ as part of our mission, is, is that as we get through all of these, we want to get to this introduction. And, the, and in this introduction, is that we recognize that there's both a physical multiplication. In Genesis 1, you remember, God said, God bless him, saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the sea, let the earths multiply the earth. And then he says to Adam and Eve, fill the earth and subdue it. In verse 28. So there's this physical multiplication as far as the mission of believers in Joshua 1.6, it's interesting, as Israel was beginning to go in the promised land, this physical multiplication is again given to the Israelites. And also he says in verse 6 of Joshua 1, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. You see the same ideas in Matthew 28. To observe all that I've commanded you as Jesus, by the way, Joshua is a form of the, of the word Yeshua, of Jesus, the name of Jesus. It's interesting as we look at this, there's both this physical multiplication, but there's also this spiritual multiplication. That's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. When Jesus says, I have the authority, just as God said that he had authority in Genesis when he created all things, God has the creative authority, but he has the authority of the whole universe. And now Jesus is proclaiming the same aspect. But now spiritually he's saying, now go make disciples. Subdue the sinful desires of the flesh, the things of this world. Subdue it. Multiply followers of Christ. Acknowledging the name of Christ. That's part of the whole idea, the spiritual multiplication to multiply other believers who acknowledge Christ, who also submit to Christ, who obey and follow the Lord's commands as laid out by Christ. Now we're talking about when we spiritually multiply about modeling Christ, doing what Christ has done. But I want us to take a step back and notice the standard opposition. As we look at this introduction and we talk about missions, there's this physical multiplication, spiritual multiplication. But go, when we go back and think about verses 11 through 16 or 15, did you notice what happened after Jesus raised from the dead? Did you notice that the, the, the soldiers were in dismay and what do we do? They went back to the Jews, the, Jew, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, the rulers in Israel. And what do we do? They paid them money to f- give false information, disinformation. You know, it's really interesting about this, but they said, say this is what happened to Jesus. Do you notice that that's standard today? Do you notice how many people, when you go out to share the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, when we go out to do what God has commanded us to do, to make disciples, to share, share with people, to acknowledge Christ and to obey Christ. That people have tons of ideas of who Jesus is. Still to this day, they will acknowledge what people say about Jesus as long as it's not what God says about Jesus. Do you notice that? We have this standard opposition from creation all the way now in making disciples for Christ. It's standard. People believe anything and everything about Jesus except what God says about Jesus. And that's interesting. So as we look at modeling Christ and we look at what we are supposed to do as the mission of the church is fulfilling God's commandment, God's mandate for us, we need to realize that what we face in the world is standard. It's nothing new. And that's not to discourage you, but that's to encourage you as every one of the disciples faced this standard opposition. As all the people through church history has faced this standard opposition. It's meant to encourage you that there's nothing 
new as we've found in Ecclesiastes under the sun, that this opposition is standard. We expect it. First Peter says we should expect it, right? So this is standard. Well, let's look at this. Each believer experiences three things when it comes to their life with Christ. As we look to this idea of modeling Christ, we need to understand when we come to Christ, when we get saved, when we acknowledge Christ, that it's not our life, but it's His life that He lived in our place for paying for our sins, that we can't live a perfect life. We cannot come before God and say, I am good. There is none good. So what is standard in a believer's life when they acknowledge Christ? There's three things. That is that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. We're being conformed, molded into His image. Just look at Romans 8. Of course, all of Romans tells us about our salvation, what God has done. And in Romans 8, 8, 29, it says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. We are not supposed to be conformed to the mold of a Baptist church or a mold to a, some church, what they think church should look like or some tradition. Our goal and mission of the church is to be conformed into the image of Christ. That was God's plan from the get-go. Each believer should experience these things, and that the idea is that we're being conformed into that image. That's the idea of Romans, uh, Lyle's favorite verse, Romans 12, 1 through 2, that he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the act of submission. We're laying our life down before Christ. We're acknowledging Christ, not acknowledging our life, but submitting to Christ which is, he says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And then look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to the world. The idea here is, is if we're not being conformed to the world, we need to be conformed into the image of Christ. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of mind that you may be able to test what is discerning, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our mind, our habits, our life is being conformed into a new image. I remember when I got saved. I remember as a six-year-old sitting on the bed, scared of hell, not wanting to go there, realizing that God was great, He was good, and I wanted what was good. Okay, So I knew that God was good, and I knew that I was not, and hell was bad. I wanted good, I did not want bad, but I didn't truly understand all that, and as Years went on. By the time I got to 10, I was like, wow, I'm a real sinner. I don't want to be conformed to the sin anymore. I need to change. I remember going to the pastor that led me and my mom to the Lord, a missionary to Canada and to Indians. And I just remember how big and giant of a man he was. But he was so soft and he loved kids. And I remember telling him, I was like, like Pastor, I want to be a missionary. I know, I, I, and I know I'm not good. I need to be baptized. I need to be different. I need to obey God. And he goes, yeah, you know what? You're being, the Holy Spirit's working on you, and he's conforming you into his image. 
And I realized I was changing. And from 10 to about 14, I really went through this grand change of desiring God. And then all of a sudden, about 14, 15, I was like, I desired baseball. (laughs) And I desired baseball, and it became a God to me, and I got distracted. And all of a sudden, I was being conformed into this whole other sports life. And I was very distracted. But God fixed that. He ran after me, and he broke my leg into five places. True story. And, and I realized, I was like, oh, I couldn't play baseball for about a year. And then I was like, that's okay. And I started playing baseball again. I was like, I went to the local high school, and I quit going to youth group, and I started playing baseball. And in, my coach told me not to do anything else, but, you know, I couldn't stand still. So I started playing basketball and I tore my MCL. And you know what's funny is I've never had a knee problem since then. I've never had another leg problem since then. I just had a really bad back. <laughs> but uh, all of a sudden I realized, I was like, God, what's going on? Every time I started playing sports, something major would happen. I confessed my sin to God one day with my youth pastor and I said, I am not being conformed in the image of God. I'm conforming myself to the world and to sports. I need to give up sports and I need to pursue God. And all of a sudden I realized it and my whole life changed. It was like this whole burden was lifted and joy returned and love returned. And I didn't see God punishing me anymore. And I just had this great love and he was conforming me all those years. And it was, it's been a joy to see all of that years of how God was conforming me. The other thing that we can see that God is doing to every believer is that you not only are supposed to be conforming into this new image, but you're supposed to be physically putting on a new life. As you're being conformed, you've got to put on a new life. That's the idea in Colossians 3.10. And he says, And having put on the new man who is... Re- is renewed in knowledge according to the image who created him. The idea is is in Romans 6, 4, to walk in the newness of life. There's this idea that we're supposed to be continually putting on this new life that God has given us. In Colossians, we know that we see that through God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are putting on this newness Why do we study the Word? Why do we preach? Why do we get in the Word? And that's so that way we can continually, because the verb here is to continually put on this new life. And if that isn't enough, each believer should not only be conformed and put on, but also carry the image of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says, Just as you have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. The word there, bearing, means to carry. We're supposed to carry this image with us. So the idea is is that we don't just put it on and sit there, but we carry it everywhere we go. And that's important. If we are to model Christ, we have to start with these three things. You can't model Christ by saying, yes, I acknowledge Christ, and I'm a believer, and I'm going to sit in the pew and just listen to a message every week and listen to the Word of God. 
And that's enough. We need to experience these three things. You go to many churches and they talk about having these big, grand experiences. But if you're not experiencing these three things, the the power of the Holy Spirit isn't going to empower your life. That joy that God talks about that, that is above all of our circumstances won't be there. That peace that surpasses all understanding that we see in Philippians 4, uh, 4 6 through 7 won't be there if we're not experiencing this idea of being molded into the image of Christ and putting it on and carrying it daily. So how do we model Christ other than those three things? Let me give you three practical things that I got from Pastor Ralph that I'm going to pass on to you. And that is this, determination. How do we model Christ in a practical way? To be determined. You have to determine to do it. In fact, let me give you an example from Christ. Whoop. Let's go back. I was thinking the verse was going to pop up there for a second. John 8, 29 talks about what Jesus said, and he says, And he who sent me is with me. Talking about when Jesus was talking to his disciples and talking to the crowd, he was saying that God sent him and that God is with him. And he said this, he said, The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. The verb there, always doing those things, are, is really important. Always doing. It's an active modifier. It's saying that I am constantly pursuing. It's like what Paul said when he says, I agonize for Christ in Philippians chapter 3. Um, he's looking to um, the word agonizomai to strive, to pursue the same kind of concept here. It's this determination that I am going to do all that I can do to please God. And that's hard. Because right now you are hardwired in the flesh to do everything you can do to please yourself. You have to be determined. That's like uh, last week, uh, the water pipe, I came home from graduation, from Kaylee's graduation, and the water pipe was busted outside and the water was spewing out. We had this little pond developing, and, uh, and so we are sitting there, and I was like, I had to dig, uh, because my, my worker uh, with his backhoe wasn't there, so I had to dig almost 50 feet of trench, and it was sitting there, and, and uh, Kedrick was out there. He was helping me stay determined. I was like, Kedrick, stop. Don't give up. Keep going, because if I knew if I could keep him going, he would keep me going using that youthful energy. And we were determined. And about 7 or 8 o'clock at night, the whole water line was done, was buried, and it was working. And no leaks. But man, I tell you what, we slept hard that night, and we did not want to get up the next day. One of the things about the coronavirus is, is that this whole time I have not had one back pain at all until that day. <laughs> I had back pain the whole day digging trench. It's like that with we have to be determined. We have to say that pleasing God is the most important thing. <clears throat> the pipeline of the Holy Spirit of just acknowledging God and pleasing Him, if that's not our goal, then the enjoyment that we have 
with God is not there. We're not going to model Christ. We're not being a Christian if we're not seeking to please Him. The other one is demonstration. Peter was going to witness to the Gentiles after he was <laughs> he was blunt. You know what's neat is, is to see Peter grow and to mature. You know that all the time that he spent with Jesus, right? He was the first to answer just about everything. He was a know-it-all. He was a show-off. He was always first in line, right? And he was also the first in line to fail when it came to denying Christ. Bless the Lord for working in his life and, and going through there. But then God was talking to Peter and and, P, and he said, now, Peter, I want you to go preach this good news, the gospel to the Gentiles. Here he is asking to be a missionary, and he said no to God when he says, all these things that I have made are now clean. And then he refers to the Gentiles that you need to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And at first he, he says no, and then the second time he says, okay, God, I will obey you. Acts 10, 38, Peter's going to speak to the Gentile, Cornelius, and he's speaking and he's preaching the gospel to him and he makes this comment. He says, talking about, the Jesus, about Jesus, and he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Talking about how Jesus went around demonstrating the good that God had prepared for Jesus to do. That's the same wording that he uses in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when he says that God has prepared for us His good work to do. Not our own good work, not just traditional good work, but modeling what Jesus did. Jesus modeled what God wanted Him to do, and He demonstrated it. If we're going to model Christ, we need to be determined but we also need to demonstrate the things of the Lord in our daily life, just as Jesus did. We also need to have direction, demonstration and direction. It's interesting, when Jesus had the opportunity to do the traditional route to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, do you notice in John 4, he didn't take the traditional route. A traditional route for a Jew was to bypass Samaria because Samarians were mixed. They weren't true, full-blooded Jews. They were mixed with Gentile blood. And so they were outcasts. And so they didn't want to talk to them. And they would go around. You notice Jesus didn't follow tradition. In verse four, uh, 3 through 4 in John 4, he said, Jesus said, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And you know that in chapter 4, as he passes through Samaria, he meets the woman at the well, a Samaritan, and he shares the gospel. He shares who he is to this young lady. For this Samaritan woman, the well became a cathedral in which Jesus could present his claim of salvation to this amazing, needy soul. We can learn a lot from Jesus 
and model what Jesus did and take the direction that Jesus did and that don't just follow tradition and just only speak to those who want to speak to you, but go to everyone. Be willing to go to anyone to share the good news. Do you take the opportunity at any moment to share with anyone? This, it's amazing. Just a few weeks ago, while well, Pastor Ralph, they had to stop and restart his heart. He was in, uh, it's called a, a PMT ambulance. It's a little bit higher tech than a regular EMT ambulance. And when he was in the ambulance, right, hooked up, they just started, restarted his heart. So think about this. His heart was going like 180 beats a minute or something like that. It was, it was insane how fast it was going. And they started and restarted He's in the ambulance and he looks up, as Pastor Alf would always do, how many of you would like to have an ambulance so you can share the gospel? Not many of us would take that route to share the gospel, would we? But Pastor Alf, being Pastor Alf, looked up at the EMT and the technician that was checking his vitals along the route and he asked him about heaven. And he says, do you go to church? Do you know about heaven? Let me ask you a question. Do you know if you'll go to heaven? And Pastor Ralph did as Pastor Ralph does, and he shared the gospel. He had a captive audience. I knew Pastor Ralph was getting better when Raleigh, his son, was saying, he goes, oh yeah, they're discharging him because he keeps walking around and asking everybody whether or not they're going to heaven. Pastor Ralph is at home, he has pneumonia, and he isn't feeling well. But that does not ever stop him from taking any opportunity to share the good news of what God has done for him. We need to be determined. We need to demonstrate. If we're going to model Christ in practical ways, we need to demonstrate our love for God to those around us. And we need to go in whatever direction God sends us to share the gospel. Are you going to take every opportunity that God gives you? Here are four questions, practical questions that you might be asking yourself or might right now as we model Christ, as we fulfill the great commission or as we fill this mandate, this spiritual mandate to make disciples, to share the gospel that people might acknowledge Christ. Not just acknowledge that there is a God or that Jesus is a good teacher or a good person, but that He is Christ, the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Here are five principal questions that might help you. Number one, what am I to say? What am I to say? Diving back to the Old Testament as, as any good lover of God would do. In Psalms 107, 2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say, so. You may say to me, I don't know what to say, but if you've been redeemed, if you've been loved by Christ, saved by God, tell it, I've been redeemed. My sins have been washed away. I am not good, but God is good, and he adopted me into his family. He's given me his righteousness. You know what's amazing about this psalm in Psalm 107 
is this, the author of this psalm is unknown, but they know that it was written during the time of the Babylonian captivity. Can you imagine as you're in captivity? We are in captivity in this world. We're in bondage as we fight against sin. And the psalmist is proclaiming in their captivity, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are redeemed. We have the Lord. Titus 2, 11 through 15, Paul put it kind of this way. He says in verse 11, these are amazing verses if you haven't read them because it talks, what do we say? Well, Paul is reminding Titus what to say about his salvation. Listen to what he says and then listen to the command. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all the people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. He's conforming us into his image and not into the image of the world. And to be self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're, we're putting on a new life. We're carrying around this new life in this ungodly age. But look at what Paul tells us that we have because of Christ. Verse 13. If you don't know what to say, look at what Paul says that you have and what you can share, what you have. Verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Did you note these words? We're waiting for this hope of the Savior who died, who rose again who conquered death, who gave us his righteousness and took on our sin. And look, he says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for his good work. And then verse 15, declare these things. Preach it, all of you. Declare it. That's the mission of the church. Declare this. If we're going to model Christ, you ask this question, what am I going to say? Verse 13 through 15. Declare it. What we have in Christ. That He's redeemed us. He paid for our sins. That we have a Redeemer. We have a Savior that adopted us into His heavenly, eternal home. One way to get to know Jesus better is to tell others about him. The great preacher, told, uh, George Whitfield, said this. He said, you want to become a better preacher? Preach Christ. Preach Christ in the morning. Preach Christ in the, in the afternoon. Preach Christ in the evening. Do it seven days a week, every day, for your life, and you will be the best preacher the world has ever seen. That's what he said. George Woodfield. The other thing that we need to ask is, where am I to go? So we answer the question, what am I to say? But you might be asking, well, where do I go? Well, Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you are saved and given the Holy Spirit upon you, he says, you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's not telling us exactly where to go. It's just saying, be a witness everywhere you are. By the way, did you know America is not Jerusalem? Jerusalem's Jerusalem. 
America is not Judea. Judea is Judea. Israel is Israel. We are the uttermost parts of the earth, right? When the gospel first went out, it was in Jerusalem, in Judea. It went to Asia, to Europe, to Africa. That, all of those, they were the first to receive the gospel. We're actually the uttermost part. Africa is not the uttermost part of the world. We are. We were the last to receive the gospel. So think about this. Where do I go? Everywhere. Jesus said in Mark 16, 11, go into all the world. Matthew 28, right? In our text, verse 18 through 19. 19 says, go therefore. Do you know the words go therefore literally, say, literally means as you go, make disciples. Go is not the command. Make disciples is. It's literally saying as you go in life is literally the text in Greek. As you go, make disciples. You go to the gym, make disciples. Right? We got somebody that does that very well, except they all come to him, him now. As you go, as you go to work, make disciples. As you go to the park, make disciples. As you go to the grocery store, make disciples. As you go to the the hardware store, as you go to the feed store, uh, uh, wherever you go, make disciples. That's the command. We're supposed to be in our life as a church family making disciples. If we're not modeling Christ and doing, and as he, that's what Jesus did. As he went, he made disciples. The other question is, is well, how am I to do it? It's a very good question. Where am I go? Everywhere. There's no exempt place. Even in EMT. Right? Even in an ambulance. In a hospital. Right? On an airplane. Uh, I got to share the gospel with a guy on the airplane, and he was in the hospital uh, for a broken neck, a broken back. And I was just in the hospital or in the airplane with him the day before. He broke his back the next day. I was going to visit somebody in the hospital, and Raul was with me. And I saw his wife, and I'm like, what are you doing here? And I, we, we went up, and we prayed with him and shared the gospel and gave it to him again. Is that by chance? No, go make disciples wherever you are. How am I to do it? Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, to the others that he was calling, he said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You know what the command there is? How am I supposed to model Christ, share the gospel, make disciples? Follow me. Follow me. Follow Jesus. Walk in his footsteps. Love him. Follow his commands. One step at a time. When I lived in Alaska, we hiked through snow a lot. We went camping. We went hiking. When you hike on a mountain through snow, it's, it's very important. When the guide says, step in my step, it's extremely important, right? Me being very much like Kedrick said, yeah, whatever. He can, he's stepping. He's fine. I'm going to go over here. I want to go over here. I walked over there and I disappeared. There was a tree where I went. 
Guess what? It was hollow. The snow had built up, but it was hollow around that tree. I disappeared. They had to, they had to dig down and, carry, and pull me out. That's what life is like. How do we fulfill the mission that God has given us to do? To make disciples? Step by step following Christ. Don't get cute. Don't think, oh, I can go and do this. It'll work better. No, it won't. You're going to sink. Follow him. The other thing is Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before men. How do you do it? Let the light of God shine in your life before other people. If you're not following him, your light is going to be dim. Did you notice what he said after that, though? That, you may, that they may see your good works and glorify Father in, your Father in heaven. Do people glorify God because of the way you live? Or are you trying to get them to glorify you? We cannot model Christ if what all they see is you. Whose light is shining? How am I supposed to do this? Follow him. Glorify him. Seek to glorify him. Why am I to do this? Why am I to do this? Do you notice that all the words? To say, to go, to do, right? How am I to do it? Follow him, glorify him. Take every opportunity to share the gospel to everyone. Follow in God's footstep. The woman at the well was not what people would normally do. He took that opportunity. A good preacher said once, he said, preach, we are preaching as dying people to dying people. Right? Take every advantage, every opportunity to tell others about Jesus. It's not your responsibility to save them. It's just your responsibility to tell them about Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, I have all what? Authority. Why are you to model Christ? Because it's what Christ commanded. He has all authority. Verse 19, he gives us a command. Make disciples. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not like you can say, Jesus is saying, oh, if you, if it's not too much trouble, go take the trash out. Right? That's never the option at our house. It's Kedrick, Jared, take the trash out. Mom doesn't say, oh, if you feel like it. <laughs> oh, if you feel like it, go out and spread some bark dust. Right? It's never an option, is it? I please. <laughs> Jim's over there laughing because he's like, go spread the bark. <laughs> His kids know it's never an option. This is not an option. It's amazing how, as people in the church, we get saved and we treat these commands like they're options. They're not options. We need to be determined, praying daily, that our witness is bright and that we're following in his footsteps. Why should I do this? Because it's the command. Why am, how, when am I to respond? Now. Now. Do you remember Isaiah? Isaiah 6, chapter, five, or chapter 6, verses 5 and following. 
Isaiah comes to the Lord, sees the throne room of God, and what does he do? He goes, wow, this is cool. (laughs) No, he falls on his face like he's dead, and he's, whoa, I'm a sinner. Maybe right now you feel like, I am inadequate. I, I don't feel like, how do you respond, and how, when am I respond? Respond right now. When God spoke to Isaiah and said, who will go for us? Who will speak to everyone about me? And Isaiah says, I am not worthy. God says, that's okay. I'm going to go down and I'm going to, I'm going to purify your lips. Do you realize that the message, who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and when he says go out and tell that to everyone, that he has taken care of what people are going to hear. He purges your lips. We are not worthy, but God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, does the work that we cannot do. When do you respond? Isaiah said, here I am, I I am here, send me. I I love, she's all happy back there. (laughs) Yes, go, respond now. Will you be willing to say, here am I, Lord, use me. If you say that and you are serious, God will give you people tell Jesus about. They may not come to the Lord, but that's not your responsibility. The Holy Spirit, God saves people. When are you going to respond and just be like, here, we are in the presence of God this morning. Here I am. Send me. There are missionaries that have gone to other parts. Tammy was a missionary in other parts, and now she's a missionary here. Pastor Ralph was a missionary in Brazil, not because he went somewhere, but because he was sharing the gospel. And he came back, and he was a missionary here. We have the Libertas. They've been all over the place. <laughs> and, and now they're waiting. They're saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And they're ready to go wherever God sends them. Are you willing to say that as you walk out the door? Not to go around the world, but to just tell people about Jesus. Will you be willing to do that? To follow him? Will you model Jesus? Follow him, obey him, love him, and then share who he is to others? That's the question. Will you obey the command to make disciples? If you're a Christian, that's our mandate. We don't do missions so that way we can support people around the world. We do missions because it's our mandate to do missions. Will you do the missions that God has called you to do? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this this question. Will we respond? Will we respond? Will we say, here I am? That's the great question. Will we be obedient and submissive? Will we lay our life down as a living sacrifice? Will we stop being worried about being conformed to this world? Will we realize that everything in this world is passing away just as 
we read together in the very beginning in 1 John 2, will we love God more? Will we be willing to say, here am I? Will we be willing to be a light to all those around us? Will we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Will we simply tell people about who Jesus is and, let, and, and share God's word with people and let your word and let the Holy Spirit do the work that we can't do and save people? Lord, I pray that all of us will take up this task to do missions, to be missions. As a church family, may we encourage one another, help to answer those questions that we went through. And as we struggle maybe with one of those areas that, Lord, the the church body, we can support each other and help each other grow in doing the work that you have prepared in advance for us to do to bring you glory and honor. Will you help us to do that, Father? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did when you died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you took our place. That as we stand before a holy God, that we could never be good enough because we are tainted with sin, with evil thoughts, evil deeds, lies in our life. We steal, we destroy, we hurt people with our mouth. We discourage people. We also do a lot of good, but Lord, we are not good enough. But you sent your son, you sent Jesus to be good in our place. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, for us. Not only that, but raising again, conquering death, and now is sitting at the right hand of God the Father interceding on our behalf, praying for us, helping through the power of the Spirit to build us up so we can be a witness. Lord, if somebody's here, realize that they are not good enough, that it's not about going to church and reading the Bible and just being good because we can't be good. Romans 3.23 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. But you sent your Son. If they realize that they need to lay their life down and follow Jesus. That they would repent and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need help. Save me. That they would do that today by acknowledging what Christ has done, repenting and calling out to you and being saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just ask that you would save those that are listening, watching, or here today, anyone that needs to be saved. We just thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.